Welcome to Straight Talk on Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chet Salasco. Straight Talk on Health is a joint production with WGVU in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I examine the world of health, nutrition, exercise, diet, supplementation. If there is something new, I look at the science behind it and let you know whether it's real or not. You can check out other things that I do on my website, drchet.com, and please sign up for my free emails. One of the basic tenets in sports nutrition is that we shouldn't consume more than 25 grams of protein in a drink product. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it has been a guide ever since I've been in the exercise physiology arena. It is based on prior research from decades ago. The reasoning has been that taking any more won't help you to add any more muscle after a workout. Now this has trickled down over the years to the point that it applies to anyone who drinks a protein shake. Based on a recent study, that may not necessarily be true anymore. It may be time to reconsider protein intake. I think that there are at least three reasons why protein intake is important. The obvious one in this study is the use of protein to build muscle and possibly, as you will see, to examine whether energy can be produced from amino acid residues. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. If they are being used to make energy, that may interfere with the muscle building process. But I think there are at least two more reasons. One would be the manufacture of protein enzymes, which catalyze many chemical reactions in the body. Now, those chemical reactions often result in the manufacture of proteins that have distinct functions in our body. One example would be insulin. The third reason why I think protein intake is important is because of protein loss in the elderly. Now, you may define elderly as over 50. When I talk about it, generally means someone over 70. There seems to be either a decline in protein intake, which has been somewhat verified in research studies, or a decline in the ability to digest protein. The net effect is the loss of muscle mass also known as sarcopenia. While this research paper deals with sports nutrition and protein utilization, it may have implications that carry over into other areas as well. First, let's review why you want to build muscle regardless of age. Obviously, more muscle helps you do more with your body. Lift heavier objects or move your body more easily. Muscle is more dense than fat, so it takes up less space. When you are more muscular, you look slimmer as well as more fit. Maybe most important, more muscle burns more calories than fat does. You can use that fact to lose weight or to maybe eat a little more. Researchers wanted to test how long muscle synthesis would last after an hour-long intense weight training session. The study was simple in design. Take 36 young men who were physically active, and then subject them to an hour-long weight training session in a laboratory setting. Afterward, in a randomized way, give 12 of them 100 grams of protein in a drink, another 12, 25 grams of protein in a similar-tasting drink, and the final 12 got a placebo that had no protein but was similar-tasting. That's where the simplicity stopped, believe me. The protein had specific quantities of carbon-labeled amino acid 
including leucine, the amino acid responsible for initiating protein building in muscle. That means the labeled amino acids could be tracked to see where they went. The objective was to monitor whether protein synthesis lasted more than four to six hours, the prior conventional thinking. The other question is whether the excess protein would be broken down and used for making energy. The short answer is that protein synthesis lasts at least 12 hours and perhaps even longer at the highest intake, 100 grams. 25 grams lasted about six hours, but even no protein still caused some protein synthesis. This study demonstrated that there seemed to be a dose response to protein intake after intense exercise. That is, the more protein the person ate, the more muscle they build. And it lasted at least 12 hours instead of the prior four to six hours that was considered for a lower dose. Also, the excess protein intake wasn't used to make energy to any great degree as previously thought. That means less strain on the kidneys because when protein is broken into individual amino acids, the nitrogen group won't have to be eliminated via the kidneys. As always, there are more questions to be answered before this study becomes the new normal. The obvious issue is that the subjects were all young men from 18 to 40 years of age. They were specifically chosen because they were not chronic exercisers. The results may be different in people who regularly train with heavy weights or even cardiovascular exercises at a high-intensity level. Would the same results happen in women? And would the same result happen in older subjects, such as those in their 50s and 60s? Next question. Would the extra protein be absorbed and used the same way without the intense exercise session? These subjects did four different exercises using the legs and chest with four sets of 10 reps, pushing the subjects to failure on the final three sets. Pushing yourself that hard can be challenging and even dangerous without help. Could someone with known cardiovascular disease push themselves as hard without causing a cardiovascular event? Would metabolic diseases such as type 2 diabetes impact how the protein was used? Now, I could go on and on, but you get the point. One study with fewer than 40 young subjects using testing procedures that will not be easy to duplicate isn't a basis for changing protein intake after exercise for everyone. What does it mean in the real world, the world we live in now? Well, the obvious answer is that it provides a new area of research. I would be particularly interested in how the use of essential amino acids could impact protein synthesis in addition to additional protein intake. But how can this impact you right now? Well, on the days that you lift weights, add an additional 10 or 25 grams of protein to your post-workout shake. Milk protein was used as a source in this study, but other sources of protein powders would probably obtain the same result. Although some people may argue the point, the composition of protein powders doesn't vary much, so choose whatever appeals to you. The men drinking their shake after they completed the exercise session, I would also recommend that they drink extra water for a couple of hours after the shake. Again, these were relatively young men. As we age, we may see a decline in kidney function. Excess nitrogen, a byproduct of breaking down the amino acids, could build up and turn into ammonia, and as you might expect, that would be bad. Try increasing protein for a specific number of weeks 
and see what happens. Track whether you're able to increase body weight or add muscle. You can test your one rep max on the bench or squats if those are the muscle groups you trained. If you don't do resistance exercise, you can see how you respond to the additional protein after a long walk or a yoga session. You might feel better with the additional protein. Nutrition is a constantly changing field. Some basic assumptions that developed can now be reconsidered with better technology to test benefits or pitfalls. While it may take years or even decades before we have answers, what's really important is how you respond. Adding some additional proteins such as 10 or 25 grams to your morning or post-workout shake is not unreasonable to see how it benefits you. All the research in the world still comes down to how it affects you and your unique body. As long as you're reasonably healthy, you are your own subject. Just remember, keep track of what you do and find a way to assess the outcome. That's the only way we ever really know how it affects you. Our time is up, so I'm out of here. This is Dr. Chet Salasco saying health is a choice. Choose wisely today and every day.